Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. We we thought it'd be fun to do something a little bit different this time and bring back a guest that we've had on before. He was one of our first guests to the show, Jared Polin of Frono's Photo and Frono'sPhoto.com. We had a lot of fun talking to him, and we knew at the time that there's no way we were going to get in everything we wanted to talk about in an hour. So here we are again. Welcome back. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm, I'm glad I could be back. The last time we chatted was pandemic time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody was locked in, and we were just trying to get our feet on this show and figure out what we wanted to do with it. Yeah. It's come a long way since then. And actually, you were the first person on the show to swear. So you broke our swearing cherry, if that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, what did I say? <laughs> you, you, you actually, you dropped the fuck. Like, and it was within the first 30 seconds. It was the intro and Steve was doing the intro and you were just like, let me fucking tell you something. What was funny was that you actually, you posted on your podcast about that. You were like uh, critiquing our podcast and you're like, oh no, you shouldn't have had the disclaimer at the beginning. Cause we did, we were like, oh, I don't know if we should, we should let people know if this is, we're afraid like Apple podcast is going to like, oh, they're going to just try to drop the show or something. And so, no, so you, look, when, when, when music was getting labeled with those Tipper Gore labels, um, you know, parental guy, whatever they wanted, they sold everybody. So when you watch any music documentary in the, in the late 80s, they're like, we knew that if we could get that label, we'd sell millions more records because people just want to know. They want to hear it. Like, why should it matter? And, and, and words are words. And sometimes you, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say fuck at some points but other times who cares they're fucking words <laughs> I totally agree here here i'll give you i'll give you one i started rock climbing um bouldering like uh, attempting to do that and i'm there on a I, I left work after lunch to go you know try to solve this wall you know problem on a wall and i actually liked it because it's very mental that like you have to find the path the proper path to go and it takes some strength but it's really the the more strong you are doesn't mean like some beanstalk girl you know string bean girl is going to out climb you any day of the week just stronger hands and longer legs and just better at doing it but they must have they had like a kids camp going on and the kids camp moved to the other wall and i was on another wall that i couldn't solve and i and i said fuck but quietly to myself and i didn't know there was still some seven-year-old girl behind me climbing like cli not do, being where she, she's like she goes did you just say the f word and i was like i'm not gonna lie to you no i didn't i didn't lie i'm like i did Yes, I did. She's like, that's okay. I already know it. <laughs> well, it's just true. You know, kids do. It's the parents make much more of a big deal out of this than the kids do. If the parents weren't so freaked out about it, it wouldn't. the kids wouldn't care. It's the same thing about nudity. I know we're not going down this path, but I have a photo news story about a woman in, in England who was breastfeeding and a, 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 she made eye contact with a guy who was staring at her who then takes out his camera and puts on a telephoto lens to photograph her while she's breastfeeding. And that's not against the law. And she thinks that it, there should be a petition to say that if you're getting unsolicited photos of someone breastfeeding, then it should be like upskirting, right? You can't do that. And I, I mean, the guy's an asshole. Hashtag, you know, don't be an asshole. Don't be this guy. Like, do what most normal people will do. You take a look and you go, oh, okay, and you keep moving. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, good, a breast, but it, there's a kid feeding. Like, and, and the problem with the United States is everybody th has over-sexualized everything and think that nudity and everything is this worst thing ever. And that, the, but but you go to Europe and 
kids, how old are girls in, until they, they actually put on tops? Like, they may be eight years old out at the beach. Nobody says it because they don't make a big deal out of it. Everything in the United States is, holy shit, you showed your breasts. It's like, and? Hey, when you... You said you're doing rock climbing. Are you doing like free solo kind of stuff? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I'm getting about four feet off the ground. Well, there you go. Now, did you see the Did you see that documentary, Free Solo? Of course. Solo? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Chin, Alex Honnold. Alec, yeah, Alex Honnold. Yeah. Oh my God, that was the, it. Was Have you seen that, Chad? No, I haven't. You, sorry, hold on. You said bouldering. Is there a difference yeah. between bouldering and rock climbing? Yeah, yeah. So bouldering. So, so there's what's called top roping, which is like a, someone belays you, like they. Makes sure, and you're, 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 you have a harness on and you're going up the wall, which is like you're going 20, 30 feet up, or maybe it's 20 feet. I don't even know how high it is. But bouldering is where there's these different problems and it's lower on the ground. You may get up 10, 12 feet, but if you fall, there's mats under you that you learn, you know, you, you crash oh, on. But it, it's like it's more technical. You're not going up. Like, I mean, you do still go up, but it's a, you Google it. There's there's some good YouTube. I'll be honest with you. When I started doing it, there's this really good YouTuber. It's got a million subscribers, and it's watching him in these different gyms all over the world trying to solve their hardest walls. Hmm. It's some. It's a, it's actually really good. It's always cool when you find something that you're into, and then you go on YouTube and like Stephen, my editor, my, my editor, he's he, when he bought his house, he got into lawn care. Well, there's a ton of lawn oh. care YouTubers, <laughs> and so he follows them, and he learns how to properly take care of his grass. It's, it's insane. Uh, was that a COVID thing? Was it like an interest? Did it come from no. seeing this, or you had oh, the interest, me? and then you found the... yeah. A girl I was seeing wanted to go take a class, so we took a class, and then I went back because she doesn't live around here, and then I was like, I this was actually a good mental exercise. I actually enjoyed it. Now, then I kicked the wall the other day because I got fucking pissed off that I failed at some bullshit thing for the 37th <laughs> time. Look, it's they, they put they put score like level like VB is considered very basic. And so the lower the number, they got like V1 minus. That's considered pretty easy. Then they got V1 and V1 plus is considered hard. So I tried and then, and then it goes up like V8, V9. Those are like where guys are holding on with like fingertips, Alex Honnold stuff, like holding on to two quarters or something and it's like how they do this and the guy was telling me that he built he put together the one i kept failing at i'm like you you put it together that's definitely not a super basic one anyway <laughs> so it's just it, it it's mentally challenging but mentally worthwhile when you do succeed and it, it's an un, it actually gets your heart beating heart racing it's pretty good not heart racing in a scary way, but it uses the whole body when you're up on the wall. My heart rate's at like 155 beats a, a minute when I'm doing it, yeah, and right. it's it gets up there. Wow. You just freshened up your lobby. I saw your video. I think it was yesterday you posted the, the Fro Factory has a brand new mural. That thing was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the mural was um, this guy named Gloss Black who's local, and I saw him do some work in the city, and I called, and I dropped him an Instagram as I do with everybody, when you want to get in touch with someone, he's like, oh, I know your work. And I'm like, let's do something together. And and I'm like, I've got this blank canvas. And he, he just got it. And it's great when you can work with an artist and you give, you say what, an idea, and he, and he runs with it. And then you just need to make like one little tweak and then you're good to go. Was that the last space that kind of really needed to be worked like that? Because it looks like you have 100 sets in there already. Yeah. How big is the space and what, what have you got done and what, what needs to be done So still? we've got... I think it's roughly 3,000 square feet in the Fro Factory here. Wow. Plus, plus the garden, which is another 2,500 outdoor square feet because I looked it up on the wow. 
wet, uh, you know, everybody's trying to buy everything here because property values um, skyrocketed in this, it, well, most places, but I'm not selling it. We use that as a garden. So we're growing the garden again this year. But no, that, that was basically the, the entranceway was a catch-all for boxes and, and some stuff. And it just didn't look great. And now it looks a hell of a lot better with, with the mural. So, and we can now use it as a, another set, another backdrop. And, the, and you saw that with that video. I'm sitting there on that, in essence, set. And it's a great place to do interviews. It's a great place to have everything. I mean, we got the awesome wood. Um, and if we're talking about financing, I can talk about I refinanced the factory hmm. uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Because I know we're going to talk some about money. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, investing in, in, in... I bought this place about five years ago. Maybe it's a little more. Um, and it's been a, a good purchase, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I remember numbers? when you bought that place yeah. and, and a tour of it and man, has it come a long way since then? So in this neighborhood, this was pretty high on heroin. Um, and what, what neighborhood is it? We're in, we're in Kensington, not London, which when you're in Kensington in London, that's like super, super posh. Cause I actually stayed at the Kensington. I'm like, oh, this is a little different than Kensington here, but we've got Fishtown, Northern Liberties on the out, you know, in Philly, which are su like, like Brooklyn, basically. Okay. It's like major, you know, million dollar, you have million dollar houses. Uh, you have, you know, $400,000 houses, $300,000 houses, but it, it all keeps stretching further down. Uh, I don't want to give the address, but <laughs> down, down the, down the line. <laughs> I'm taking and, notes. And, and, <laughs> and so I prospected down here, and it wasn't so much prospecting because it's not like it's terrible. The heroin epidemic has gotten a little better and I don't have to pick up as many needles. But this place down here, um, we were going to offer like in the high fours. And then the realtor was was like, well, if it doesn't have a five in front of it, we're probably not entertaining. And of course, at the last last minute, another offer came in. I fucking hate realtors. But <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I hate them for the Yes, I really do. But um so I, I tell my realtor, I'm like, I don't, I don't like losing out on something that you want. And so I'm like, go to the top of what we want. And we went to 535. So whatever. As my dad always told me, if you spend another 35 or $25,000, it equates to like 50 bucks a month extra in the mortgage. It, it, and, it, and this is a thing that people don't really understand is, is like to spend $535,000, you're not spending $535,000. You may have to come up with 20 or 25% of that. As for commercial, you have to come up with 25% sometimes. Um, and you get a commercial loan, not a traditional mortgage. But there, there's ways to do this. And if you can show income, the banks come along and they want to give you the money. And the interest rate was at 4.75, which was pretty high. And right at the beginning of the pandemic, I got it down to 3.4%. And I took it from a a, a five-year loan uh, to a 10-year, which they stopped giving right as the pan after the pandemic hit. They stopped giving money, but I got in at 3.4%, saved me like six or seven or $800 a month when I refinanced. So refinancing is just super important. Um, yeah. And I put, and I, we put probably 150 to $200,000 of work into the factory with HVAC, um, getting the floors done and just getting it situated for us. Did you find that space yourself or was that uh, the real estate agent? I hate realtors. To you? <laughs> no. um, who, who, who ended up, who saw that listing and was like, I, I, so the, I, I need to see this. The space. realtor that I was working with brought it to me and then we looked at it once and I, it was pretty raw. And then six months, I, I, six months went by and I just, I can't see, I have problems seeing the vision for places. I need drawings. I need someone to show me physically, but then someone painted me a picture of it and, 
you know, I'm like, I don't know how to do this construction stuff, but we figured it out and, and looked at it again, made an offer and, and, and bought it because we were working out of my house. I had, I had Steven and Dan, my editors coming to my house to film every day, my other loft. And, um, you know, there's like 13 units in that building. And so it's just, it was better to have a place. It's a good investment. Frono's photo pays rent to Fro factory because that's how the, that's how taxes work. You, you start an LLC for the, for the, the, the property and you pay rent to yourself. How many, do you get a lot of, when you say you have a lobby there and that's the one that you just had the meeting? No, we get you, zero visitors. We don't allow visitors. So that's right. It's you just the entrance way. It's just the entrance way. And so you don't get a lot of guests there. You don't bring in models to shoot there. Now, nah, see, well, I mean, if we have a model to photograph, yeah, they'll, they'll come in. You know, they can get ready in the, in the shipping department side because there's another part um, to the factory. And we don't, we don't really let guests come in because they would just bother me to be honest with you they just bother us like hey we're trying to work and like you want a tour we've done it you know it depends on who the people are right if, if it's someone who's managing my facebook uh, members or whatever and they they come to town it's like all right sure but it, you know not to sound like a dick but if it's just a random hey i love you i want to come see how you work at the factory and it's like i don't want a fan here <laughs> um have you ever had that I, Somebody, we've had people show up. They find you. Yeah, they, they find. I mean, it's not hard, yeah. but we, we, you know, we, we're nice and we've given merch and stuff like that. But yeah, we don't we don't we don't seek to have because, you know, it, it's tough with a random anybody random. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know who they are. You don't know what's happening. You don't know if someone's, you know, you want to think negatively is, uh, is someone trying to come after you because, you know, did you did you leave a comment on something and they, and they want to come after you? So you don't really know that. We have a we had another guest on the show, Kevin Espiritu Gardner, and he recently talked about that on his Instagram about how he had some people stopping by his house, you know, out of the blue, and it's it's, it's a weird feeling when you're not expecting these people just to know that they tracked you down somehow. And and he asked the person, he's like, why? Like, I'm not too sure why you think this is okay to kind of do, and uh, he was particularly bothered by the person's response which is just like well you're famous so you should be used to this and it's like well, i don't i don't know if you ever really get used to it. yeah just, no just that, that, that that's a big no and i run into people on the street in philly that's fine like if i'm out and about and you see me and you want to say hi like awesome i'll say hi yes all day that's great to be recognized and and and, and be able to talk to someone but you know showing up to your your i get a little def i get a lot defensive if you're going to if you're going to show up at a place where you shouldn't be showing up. Yeah. I've had that happen a number of times at my house. People have showed up here and it, I have to say they've always been nice. They've been friendly, but it's still just really weird that they, I had one guy was visiting the U S from Sweden. <laughs> he yeah. made a point to come over here and just stop by and I'm working in my shop and I just wanted to see your shop and it's really odd, but I haven't had that happen in a while now. That's yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, it, it's it's like it's like Mark Chapman was nice to John Lennon the day yeah, right. before <laughs> the night before. And yeah. then he fucking killed him. Right. Oh, great. Yeah. Sorry. You uh, you made a video uh, a few months ago 
uh, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what it was called, but it was something to the effect of how much money do I have I made on YouTube in the past ten years? Yeah, we, we had a tough time like, titling that. Let me let me go back and look. Yeah, that's how you that's how you afford the fraud factory with all that sweet sweet AdSense money sweet, you've sweet been AdSense. <laughs> over the years. What was it six hundred and some thousand dollars? Right. So how much over money? Twelve years or something. Yeah, how much money I've made on YouTube in ten that's years? It. That's it. And and look, we we the. The video I'm looking at the analytics now. That's why I'm looking down. But it it's climbed. It's over a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand watch time is seven minutes with fifty four point seven percent watch through rate. Like our watch through rate. Wow, I, I don't know why it took a shit right there. But look at that little <laughs> dip it took right there. Not the beginning dip. What happened? I don't know. That I might have done a plug. What did you say there? I don't know. Yes, maybe. I may have to go back and look. But we have great watch through rate. We you know Photo News fixed us seventy percent mm-hmm. every week. But anyway. Um, what would let, let's talk money. Yeah. Let's talk money. Cause we were literally just talking about, and I mean, a lot of people are going to look at that and be like, wow, that's so much money. But in the grand scheme of things with the amount of stuff that you have going on, it's probably a smaller component of a much larger picture. So c- could you maybe break down what an average business day looks like for you and how much uh, is actual, like, this is YouTube. So this is me working on my YouTube well, stuff. Yes, I, I can I can attempt to do that. It's it's not glamorous, and it's a lot of me sitting here going, "What the fuck am I supposed to do with my day today?" Because Stephen and Dan are editing other content that we've already made, and I don't feel like sitting here and writing a script for something. Or I don't like really. It's it's kind of difficult because back in the day when you start, you do it all yourself. Then when you can afford to have people, you start delegating. And now as you delegate more and more, that's less and less for you to focus on, which and and a lot of people like that's great. You can go do this during the day. I I have trouble leaving during the day because my brain is is wired differently, but I, I need to get used to it. But, you know, when you delegate, it leaves me sitting here going, what should I be doing? And I know there's a million things I could write another script for another type of video. Sometimes I get inspiration to do that, and sometimes I don't. Um, but but generally speaking, if if I'm not working with Dan or Steven on shooting a video, I'm doing busy work. And it's the unglamorous work that you were referring it's to. It's the unglamorous work. Emails. Well, yeah, it's the emails. It's reaching out to other people, trying to you know do deals, brand deals. It's building uh, thumbnails, which I I do the thumbnails myself. I don't outsource those. It's just I've gotten really good at making them the way that I want them and, and I can get them done the way that I want. Plus it gives me something to do. Um, but you can't be shooting nonstop. You just can't because you still have to do the other stuff. So it's, it's not super glamorous. Um, how much time is taken up by your programs by, uh, and just all of the other things which you are working on in that way? Or is that just like those have been made? So uh, your filters, any of the programs oh, that you have? Or, uh, yeah. yeah. No, presets Stephen makes. Um, he spends, oh boy, a good month of work hours on them. And once the work is done... And we we launch and 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 go from there. That's just that's a recurring evergreen type thing. That's a more you set it, not forget it, but you have to promote it in your other content. So we've found that uh, we know that when we have a new review come out and we do an interruption in the middle of our own videos, we don't run mid rolls. And I go, hey, let me jump in here real quick and let you know this video. Uh, not uh, that's for Squarespace, but let me jump in here and, and show you that you know this picture that on the screen right now was taken with this particular lens that we're reviewing, and I'm going to edit it with Fro Pack Three. 
oh, check it out. So this is for OPEC 3. This is for a couple of those. And I'm like, if you're looking to speed up your raw workflow and you'd like to get better results, you know, go here and you could get it. It's on sale or get the bundle. And we see the spike of sales go up on those for the next day or two. Um, it's, it's, it's great. So when you feed the beast, like people think, you know, you, you see those back, go back to four hour work week, right? It's not a four hour work week. You, you, you still need to get there by putting 10,000 plus hours in, you know? So you can't just build a product with no following and then do new, no follow up and expect that you're going to make money long term. And I, and I talk with, there's been a couple of YouTubers in the photo community that I've, I'm not going to say mentored, but worked with who didn't have products. And I'm like, look, you're just taking these one $2,000 deals to make videos. So now you're wasting a video to promote someone else's bullshit and you're only getting one to $2,000. And it's going to be on that, your own. It'll be on that video forever. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, this is brought to you by mm -hmm. Gator Brick. What the hell is the one that you used to do? Oh, micro. micro oh, the micro <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know where Gator Brick came from. That's funny. I kind of like Gator Brick, though. I'm going to um, start making those. But, you know, you yeah, do a really good job of integrating that stuff. Like, for recently, you did the presidential portrait. You'll, you'd like to do those when they, those come out. And it was a perfect way to introduce the, the pack. You know, you can just say, hey, let's see what it looks like with yep. these presets put on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, we, we've... So... One, you get people that yell at you like, you made this video just so you could do presets. And my comment is like, and your point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's information and now I want something. So yeah. And if we can um, bring it back to the fact that the video that you made a few months ago about your AdSense income. And yeah. I think there's a lot of myths that people have about YouTubers making AdSense that, you know, unless you're, you know, I guess PewDiePie or somebody who's really cranking out tons of videos and you've got tons of views per video, for most people, AdSense, you're not making a whole lot of money off of that. No, but but if we take a look at, right, for, uh, for, for me, like I'm at, I'm actually we've seen a dip in in views as the pandemic has wound down yeah. but also a dip in views because in the in the photo community there hasn't been a lot of new gear to talk about and when there's not new gear you're not pumping out videos that are getting the 100 plus thousand views but you look at like an mkbhd you know i'll do two roughly on average two million views a month and then you get him he's doing you know two million a day so is he making ten to fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars a day off of Pre, you know, ads because he's in preferred, right? Google, mm -hmm. YouTube preferred, which means they're selling yeah. higher priced ads to it. So there's there's lots of nuances, but you can figure the guys that are getting 30, 40, 50 million views a month, and you can aggregate that I was doing 10 to 15,000 a month, depending on the month. I mean, those guys are doing 150, $250,000 a month in just AdSense. Mm-hmm. And it really depends upon the type of content you're making too, because I know right. you're probably in a higher CPM than I am even because I, and you know, things like the comedy channels I know are kind of notorious for making the least amount of ads. But we've seen a huge influx of finance channels. Oh, the, those right? are like huge. The, the Graham, Stephan, you're looking at $47 CPMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used to be the top of the mountain in the cleaning and organizing space because there was just so many multi-billion dollar companies and just no real uh, competition. So our CPMs used to be like 15 to $20. But I always heard rumors of uh, like finance stuff and any kind of like uh, insurance and whatnot just being like 50 60 $70 CPMs, which is ridiculous. Graham, uh, 
Stefan, or yeah, that's what he's called, Graham Stefan, he put up every year, he does a video of how much I made this year, and he goes through all of the numbers and where it all comes from. You can look up his videos. I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I made the one that I did. I've always been transparent about it. Um, and the point with mine was, this is 10 years of revenue. Yeah, it's been over a million dollars, theoretically, that's been brought in. YouTube takes 45%, so technically it's 600,000. Split 600,000 over 10 years, you're looking at 40,000 a year. You're not surviving on that. And then go deeper and look at the first couple of years where it's $8,000 and $12,000. <laughs> and now, yes, we can do 150,000 on just YouTube, but it, take, it took a decade to get there. It's a, it's a very important point that you're bringing up because it's very easy to watch your video and be like, great, if I start a YouTube channel that gets 2 million views a month, I'll probably make in and around this amount, this amount of money. And as much as like obviously the CPMs could be different, it's also like there was 10 years of work being put in to build this value associated with the CPMs. And I have no reason to believe that they have individual CPMs, but I do believe that there's clearly a quality score associated with channels uh, that have been going for a certain amount of time. And they are in clearly a different category of, uh, of trust when it comes to like uh, brand engagements and well, you, CPMs. You have YouTube partners, managers? I don't. Yes. They, they abandoned yeah, I'm one me. Of the few, we're, we're one of the few people who still have a YouTube manager. I, I was able to luckily, knock on wood, have a guy who watches my channel, who works for Google in that department, advocate to be my, to be, because I kept turning them down because they all sucked. Mm -hmm. Or they were there for five months and then they disappear. And then and, they move on. And they move on. They're and, like and they realtors. Only would be like realtors, right. <laughs> there you go. Good pull. Um, but this guy has been very helpful. And he's helping put me in, recommend my channel for, you know, certain things. Um, and we'll see if it works. I also just turned on non-skippable ads. I've never done that before. And so I'm testing it out. I don't think it actually, I mean you know it doesn't actually hurt your video in this day and age and i'm just leaving money on the table but i'll try it out if it makes me an extra 40 or 50 grand a year that's an extra salary for someone or more you know sushi for me so it's just like did you deliberately leave them off deliberately for forward? years i didn't start cuz they used to say they used to say like oh this might increase viewer abandonment right, right. they like used that. to do that um, and it made it made so my mentality at the very beginning was when i started in 2010 there weren't ads we didn't have a YouTube partner program. Um, and then like nine months, 10 months in, they did. And I refused to do non-skippable ads. I thought in my mind that if I did non-skippable ads, that people would choose not to watch my video because they, they don't know me. But when you know the person, you're going to watch the video every time, even if it's a 15-second ad. And so now I've, I believe I'm established enough, but not even that. It's that everybody's so used to seeing them that it's just second hat. So it's not a big deal that I do it and i mean i'm trying it's only been a week or so and i and it's hard to say whether i've made more money off of it on those videos where it's been on or not but theoretically you're making more money because the full ad is running do you when you watch youtube do you have youtube premium or do you still watch ads i would never spend i would never buy youtube premium what oh, a man, waste of money that oh is. i love it i absolutely love it it is the best spend of money <laughs> you could it? ever spend it's 9.99 and, and you never have to sit through a, uh, an ad uh, ever again it, you never have to be there with your phone and be like hey watch this hold on hold on it doesn't hold bother on. me <laughs> okay and maybe it doesn't 
but I, uh, I I realized how much it bothered me yeah. when I had when I stopped doing it. I got you. And I was like, oh, it's yeah. kind of like yeah, Spotify. I, mean, I pay for the Spotify premium too. Oh, I absolutely I pay for a family plan and have yeah, my friends too. on it just because yeah. I. I love Spotify. So when Spotify did family and you had those people that are afraid, like, oh, I'm never going to pay for Spotify. Right. I'm like, here's an account. Like my ex-girlfriend is still on my account <laughs> through Spotify because whatever, I'm not going to take her off of it. Um, and no, I pay, I pay for that. I pay for the 4k Netflix. I pay for the stuff that, that has value. Like if I had Hulu and didn't um, anyway, if I had Hulu, I would <laughs> pay for when I had it, I paid Cause I'm not going to watch ads. I don't want to watch your fucking no. ads. This is Hulu. Like get the fuck out of here. I got Netflix. I don't want ads. I just reduced my, my Hulu. I had the whole Hulu package that had live TV to it. I just eliminated the live TV cause I was only using it to watch football and yeah, it's not football season. I thought, why am I paying exactly. for this when I like, I just want the no ads version and even that exactly. I'm kind of thinking, I don't even know if I need Hulu anymore. When did it change on YouTube? When did we go from like, you used to put like in 2016, 2017, you used to put up like, God forbid, two sponsored videos in a row and people would be like, oh, this, this, all you do now is just uh, sell out. Oh, that's. And now you almost have the audience being like, ah, oh, it's great to see you getting that ad money. Way not, to go. Not my like, people. oh, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> not my people. You've set the tone. You've set the tone. Jerry. Well, yes, I. So we just did a sponsored video for the. Let me get it. This is the OnePlus Pro Nine Pro. Anyway, um, they're like, I'm like, guys. First off, and and my ad guy who goes for this stuff. When these people come along, I'm like, you know, give them. um, I need to point here. We we in order for us to do a flat out sponsored video, it's going to cost a lot of money. They're going to pay a lot of money, but they. I also couldn't call this a review. I am not going to call a video where money has changed hands a review. On the flip side, I'm not going to make a video any different that I'm getting paid for than I would if I wasn't. The only difference is I would have never reviewed this phone at the cameras in this phone unless I was getting paid. Because I wouldn't have just out of nowhere done this. I would have done the iPhone because we do because there's a, there's a big searchability but that for this. But this is like brand awareness. Okay, you want people to be a brand awareness? All right, the video I'm going to make is I'm going to go use the camera because I'm not reviewing a phone. MKBHD can do that. That's what they does best. I'm going to go use the camera and see how the results are and share that with people. And the majority of people watching it fully understand it. It also says in the first two and a half seconds, big on the screen, this video is brought to you by OnePlus. But it's not called a review in the title, unfortunately, because if I could call it a review, it would have probably done better. Um, but the moral of the story is I'm going to review it the same way. And, you know, these guys want revisions, right? They all want revisions when you work with them. I'm like, no. Like, you don't get revisions. And they're like, but, and, and because of the amount we're getting paid, you, you give in for certain things. But guess how many revisions they made? Zero. Why? Because we gave them a finished product that was on point and that they're not used to getting. It's a 33-minute review that's not a review. And, and there was nothing to change. The, the, what, what we agreed on is the only thing I'll go back and change is if I said something false about a, a, a spec or a statistic that I got wrong. But I'm not changing, I don't like the white balance, or I think that it's too crunchy, I think they need to dial back. I'm not changing any of my issues with this. What, what's your 
like litmus test for deciding whether or not you're going to work with a brand or not. Well, I mean, if, if, how many of these, you know, we've got this best-selling video game on on the apples on the store for defending the castle. This would be <laughs> perfect for your users. Yeah. I'm like I'm like no. It's just no. If it doesn't fit, this is something we can do. It's a camera and I can go out and use it. I got a model, we went and shot out in Philly. I use it. I made prints. I'm showing, look, you can get great results. Will someone who buys this as not a photographer get great results? If they don't know what they're doing, no. Well, someone who buys the, I, I held up the, let me say for people that are just listening, I know, because you guys are watching. If I, I held up the Android phone first and I said, would anybody be able to get good results with this? If you know what you're doing, yes. Now I'm holding up the iPhone. Could anybody get great results with this? Well, no. If you suck at photography, if you don't understand <laughs> the fundamentals and basics, you're going to get shit results no matter what. If you pinch and zoom instead of moving your feet, you're just enlarging the pixels and your pictures are going to look worse. If you get closer, if you work on your angles, if you hold the camera properly, if you use that night mode properly that iPhone has, you're going to get better results. If you edit your files after the fact, you're going to get better results. Anyway, I went off on a tangent on that. But um, So it might not be necessarily the product itself. It You end up squaring it in your head as far as how I can present this in an authentic way, being like, I'm getting paid for this, yes. but I'm still giving you value. I listened to our first interview, and one of the best uh, moments, well, there were so many great moments that I could barely just pick one, but uh, <laughs> that was it. You were essentially talking about the value of giving content away for free, and we literally touched on it earlier where you're talking about how much money you make, you only make that money because of 10 years of understanding. You gave so much content away yeah. to build that audience and actually be able to get that money off of, uh, off of people. And I just don't think people really appreciate that in this day, day and age anymore. Let me, let me just say this, that there's the, the vocal minority are the ones out there commenting on this OnePlus video saying that I'm an asshole, have things gotten so bad that you need to take money for this? Fuck you, is what I say to them. Because the people that want to say something, that enjoy it, don't. Because they don't want to get sucked into the comment sphere. And so I understand that. And it just gets frustrating when you get someone who's like, oh, I can't believe you took money to do this video. You're a shill. That's cool. You like my other free videos? You know, I don't even need to get into it anymore. It is what it is. Like, you go to an iJustine channel. She did this phone, too. And I think the way that she did it was disingenuous more so because you, you're like, oh, wow, the branded. She's like, these cameras are so amazing. And it's like, they're fine in the right hands. But it's just when you start throwing specs around and, and that's your way of being like, oh, my God, it does this. And that's, an, that's a general statement. But... You know, it's just crazy because an I Justine can do that and she's great at what she does. And like DJI, and I, and I don't know whether she gets money from DJI or doesn't get money when they come out with a new product. But, you know, in the photo community, there's a couple of large channels where this video was brought to, sponsor, you know, brought to you by DJI when they come out with a new, a new drone. And it's basically a review that they don't call a review. And the people are like, oh, this is great. You're so amazing for doing this. And I'm like, they got paid to do this. So what, how are they going to, and yeah, they're going to say something negative on occasion, which is exactly what you have to do and you should be doing. And, and I have no problem with it if they're upfront with it. This is a product showcase, but don't suck their, don't kiss their, don't kiss their ass. I just had to think which one is better. Don't kiss their ass because they're paying you. Right. But also you, you just can't be negative just to be negative. But I think a product showcase is fine. It's brand awareness. That's what it is. As long as you're authentic yep. to yourself. 
and that's yeah. what we are. We're not gonna we're not gonna shill something um, that it, that I can't frame to my own narrative. You have to square it with yourself because mm-hmm. that what that's what makes it authentic. That what allows you to stand in front of the camera and actually say the words in the first place. A video like this pays the rent for a year, covers an employee. It's just like. You know, like MKBHD a bunch of months ago did a flat out sponsored video for uh, it was either a Buick or it was some Chevy SUV. And it was awesome. It was an awesome video. I don't care that he got paid however much he got paid. He deserves it. And the video that he created made me aware of a product I didn't know existed. It had a flip up heads up display. Most cars don't have a heads-up display, but this affordable SUV had a flip-up heads-up display. He talks about this. He talks, and I'm like, that's what a product showcase is. It makes you aware of something you didn't know existed before you watched it, and he got paid to do it because he's earned it. Hey, uh, congratulations on your Kickstarter, by the way. Way to go. Oh, thank you. Um, did, you did that surprise I'm you? I'm not did, excited. You're not excited? Well, that's not the number I wanted to hit. But you hit so, the number you, you were asking for, right? See, this so, is interesting. So, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say this is a whole We've done a Kickstarter thing, too. So I, I just. Well, first of all, so, t- tell everybody listening what, what the Kickstarter is for, just so they some background. Right. So it's going to offend some people and then make some people happy and then make some people cringe. But I was out on the road with Bernie Sanders, the senator, Bernie Sanders, during the 2019 campaign on some, and I think in 2020, whenever before the pandemic hit. So it was prior to that. It was February. It was during the during the uh, primaries and I got great images and I decided to put together a photo book and I chose normally I wouldn't go to a Kickstarter because I feel like Kickstarter is a place you go when you don't have a following right where you don't have the ability to reach a million you know however many people you can reach in your own content but the reason I chose to go to Kickstarter is because I could get my users there but then hopefully the Kickstarter effect gets it out into the sphere of Bernie followers who might want to support it. Now, don't think that hasn't happened, and I can explain why in a minute. Like, hold a note for that one. But the reason I I set the goal at $25,000. It's going to cost me $65,000 with all the other expenses to produce 2,000 books. I already know all of this, and I've made... I've, I've, for months, I've been giving people a behind-the-scenes look at the costs, how much printing is, how much shipping is from Italy, where I'm having it printed. It's $4,000 for 13 pallets, and that's on a, a, a boat, and that comes to my door. That's four grand. So you build all of this in, and I was being just showing everybody the entire process in case somebody wants to make a book. Um, and so it's going to cost me about sixty-five grand to break even, right? And yeah, so it, it's a success already at forty-one thousand. The problem is with Kickstarter, they count shipping towards your goal, which is dumb as shit, especially for the fact that overseas shipping is $65 on a $60 book. So that's not money I keep. It costs us $65 to ship that product and insure it and pay VAT and all the taxes that are involved in, in handling. Um, so I am also tried to run Facebook ads and Facebook denied it and said that it's political. And so now we're going through and trying to be like, well, yes, it's a politician, but it's not a book about politics. It's a book about photography. I'm working with a company called Jellup, who I found them through uh, all the Kickstarters that they that that Peak Design has done has been powered by the Jellup people who they're in Israel. So they're very pushy because that's what Israelis are. And if anybody's been to Israel knows that's how Israelis are. And you just have to push. Back. You just push back. They'll push and push and push. They respect when you go 
fuck you, stop. <laughs> and so you, you push back. But they are very blunt and to the point. That's just how Israelis are. Um, so I'm working with them, and they went to run ads, and they got denied. And so now they have to go around. And it, it's possible that Facebook won't even allow ads at all, which means my choice of going to Kickstarter may not have been the right choice. But I'm not upset with my choice. I think it's the right choice. We've done 369 books roughly, or there's 369 backers. Some people have bought multiple books, um, and it's on average $113 per backer, but that's because shipping is $65 for overseas and $15 here. Um, yeah, so that's the financials of it. It, it. Yes, thank you. It is a success. It met, met the goal, uh, and I'd like these ads to start running so that we can really see if it can get into the Bernie sphere. And so the way that that works is you pay that, that company, you pay for the ads. Every sale that they bring in, you give them a percentage of. Sounds pretty reasonable. Um, and I think that's a value. I could lose the money we're going to put up for ads, but it has to be done. You have to try. And hopefully Facebook clears them to run shortly so that we can let them do their thing and then go from there. For someone who takes so much time to do thumbnails, how long did it take you to choose which picture was going to be on the cover? Of the oh, book? that must have oh. been a huge decision. Well, so there's a couple of things that go into that. Um, the the I, I'm working with a designer. The designer is very good. She actually did Pete Souza's Obama book. Um, not, it's not the reason I went with her, but she's very good. My stipulation is I cannot crop. I don't crop any of my images. And so a lot of the images that I took were horizontal. There's only a handful of images that are vertical in the book. And we had to pick a vertical image that couldn't be cropped. And that's why the way that the cover is, it has fabric on the left-hand side, which allows me to keep it a full-frame image. Uh, it, it, that was the right image in my mind on the, on the front of the book. is It's Bernie. The, one of the first pictures that I took when, when, when we were on the road, he's in an office preparing for a speech, and, and it's just a candid moment. And on the back of the book is actually the portrait that I got of him on the road. And people are like, why didn't you put the portrait on the cover? Isn't that, doesn't that make more sense? I'm like, well, that's what most people would do. But this is about the candid nature of photography on the road. And so I don't want to do what others would do. Plus, this isn't going to be on a bookshelf in a store. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't need to draw anybody's attention in the store. So it can be whatever I want it to be because my people are going to buy it. And this is one of these kind of books that is above and beyond. I mean, the, the way you describe the materials being used, just the way the binding works so that the gutter isn't interfering with the photos and just everything in this book has been, you know, top notch. Absolutely. And it's also not something that I'll make a lot of money off of if I even break even at all, after the Kickstarter. And, you know, we talked about presets earlier. Presets are light. They're a digital file that's like 700 KB and it gets delivered automatically when someone purchases it. And I make $90 sale how many times a day, right? You make a $90 yeah. sale and fees are three, less than 3% these days with, you know, through Stripe or PayPal. And you're looking at a profit of $87.50, $88, right? <laughs> Does anybody make money on books anymore? I mean, more and more people Absolutely. I talk to who are, who are publishing or they're writing books, they all kind of say, well, it's good to do, but I haven't well, made a lot of money off of it. Where they do it wrong is they get a publisher. Hmm. This is the mistake that people make with books is they don't trust that they have a following. If you have a following, fuck the publisher. Because what is a publisher going to do for you? They're going to get it maybe into a store? Oh, gee, that's hard to do <laughs> to get it onto Amazon yourself. 
a publisher has a whole roster full of authors. So they are, uh, it's like this giant sports team. And even though you're the star center fielder, there's an entire team which they care about. And the next week they're on to a whole new batch of authors. And what are they going to do? They're going to reach out to their P- the, the normal PR people. Oh, we got you an interview. Ooh, whoop-de-doo. Mm-hmm. Great. They also, what people don't realize, it's like a record company. They front you money and then they need to recoup that money. And once they recoup it, they give you a percentage of the book sale. Well, that sucks. That sucks because the money that they front you as a uh, uh, what's that thing called? Advance. Advance. Yeah, the advance. Say they give you fifteen thousand dollars. Well, out of that fifteen grand, you have to hire a designer. You have to use that money. Yeah, they're going to pay for the printing. The printing's expensive, right? But if you can, and let's say this, they recoup the money, and you have a twenty dollar book. Well, when when you get twenty percent of that, you're getting two dollars every sale. Once the money's recouped, how are you going to make money off of that? But if you if, once the money's recouped, <laughs> well, that's the other thing. A lot ever, of people don't think about that huge advance that they got. That is every two dollars is minus off of that advance before you actually start getting. Well, it's $2 once they say say they spend a hundred grand. If they recoup a hundred grand on twenty dollar books, okay, now they're going to start paying you your two dollars per. And it, and if they if they do reprints, then it goes up. But if you invest in yourself. Like, yeah, it's going to cost me 60 grand. All right, I've allotted that money. We make money. We get we have sponsor. We got Squarespace, right? We got all these money. You know, you got money coming in. I'm risking, I'm taking it on myself. And if I break even by selling 500 books and still have 1,500 left to sell on Amazon or in the future, every time a book sells for $60, who gets the $60 less whatever fees Amazon's going to take? Me. So if you get $50 a book, is that a hell of a lot better than getting three or 350 because you believed in yourself. I don't need a publisher. I don't need someone second guessing how I'm going to print it or that I'm going to spend more money on the paper and the printing. The reason I went to Italy is because the, the company there, the there's the, the grandson of the founder is still running the company. So you're talking to 60, 70, 80 year pedigree here. The grandfather did it. Then the father did it. Now the son is doing it. And they, and they have it down to a science. They do great work there. And that's why I'm doing it there. Um, and so I'm spending more money. And we're seeing the same thing in other forms of art too. I mean, we see it in movies, we see it in music, just people bypassing major labels and the major studios and just doing, you know, there's the whole DIY music scene and they can kill it. Yeah. The, the labels I I was reading, I read Bob left sets, the left sets letter. He's a really, he's a, a guy who started a, an actual newsletter that was printed back in the day like in the 90s, and it would just go around the industry, and he was just like uh, an industry person who talks like about the future and just talks about the... He says it like it is. He's really good. But he was talking about like labels don't mean shit. Managers mean shit now. If you've got a great manager who can broker the deals for you, you don't need the big label money. You use a big label to amplify things. You use them to give you millions of dollars to sign with them, but you keep your money from your touring, and you do all of that. And so... You know, the whole record label thing is like if you do not have a following as a musician, it's going to be very hard to get someone to sign you because um, how many like Justin Bieber started that when, when Scooter Braun had Justin Bieber, they're like, here, go make YouTube videos for a couple years and build a following of people. And then when we launch, we're going to be huge. I think a lot of people forget that Justin Bieber was a was a YouTuber. He's a YouTuber. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. They, they forget that's where he got his start because they put him there they're like that's great and now tiktok you get big on tiktok 
you know, Lil Nas X and all the other people that are coming up with these two minute songs, they get huge. They can sign a big deal because they can take the money. Like you can get millions of dollars to sign that big deal, but it all starts with good management. Right. And plus the way they're releasing the music now, Lil Nas X is a perfect example of a guy who knows how to work the system. The, you know, producing all different versions of the same song. So it keeps rising up in the Spotify charts and all these different techniques of having different guests on the remixes. It's amazing. You mentioned TikTok. Uh, do you have any interest? In, do you have a TikTok account? Do I have a TikTok account. I, um, I don't post there. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I see some of the stuff that people post as quote unquote photographers, like here's how to take this amazing picture. And here are the settings for that picture. What's well, like, well, that doesn't help anybody. Um, could I produce that stuff if I really wanted to in my downtime when everybody at my editors are doing their thing, I could sit here and try to come up with scripts to do TikToks. I mean, make a note for YouTube shorts, right? We could talk yeah. about that next too. Um, Absolutely, people can absolutely blow up on the tick in the TikTok world in the in the creative community. I just I'm not putting my efforts into a 60 second platform um, for me. So you haven't even dabbled in the shorts YouTube shorts yet. I put one up. I also I just don't feel that I don't feel that it's not what YouTube is. Yep, right. And I know they need to grow. I know they need to adapt, and I know that they're trying to steal thunder away from the TikToks and then the and the and the Instagram stories or reels um but they can't explain does it affect your watch time does it affect your mm -hmm. standing when you put out a new video does it interrupt that like it shows mm -hmm. up in your news feed does it show up in the news feed in your feed like they can't answer a lot of these questions and you're seeing some channels that have blown up they're like oh, this channel gets 100 million views a month you're like I just watched their TikTok. They just played with a rubber band and smacked themselves yeah. with it. And it's like, where's the value? Now, I can make a 60-second video on the basics of ISO, shutter speed, and, and stuff like that. I think the idea would be if I was to do it, how do you convert those people into watchers of your actual meaningful content? Not mm -hmm. these 60 second nuggets because people always say they've been saying for years. How many how many times have you been like if a video is over five minutes, nobody has the interest to watch it. Well, it used well, to we, be. And now there, it seems like YouTube. And now it's the opposite. There's a duality of YouTube because YouTube really wants to push these longer format videos. And we see that all the time with these 15 minute long videos seems to be coming more and more of the norm, especially with the video essay channels, the rise in that. But What's at the same video time, essay channel? channels like you know just kind of analyzing different topics you know and then going to deep dives those are real popular right now and but at the same time youtube is really pushing these shorts under 60 seconds and so uh yeah you're right i mean in my experience the shorts do perform well and convert people to your channel uh, but i'm not sure how i i they draw a lot of subscriptions, but I'm not sure how valuable those subscriptions are right now. Um, and so you've it's been a doing very it? particular type of viewer. It's a viewer who's used to watching that short yeah, disposable I mean, content. And you're right. It's, it's a transition to be like, oh, and here's my 13 minute long project video on making a bench. You know, I had a 60 second one that has now attracted over 8,000 subscribers. And it was just, and so the, the shorts are for non-subscribers because subscribers don't watch them. And so my strategy 
has been to just use it as just like a way of people finding me really. Yeah. The verdict is still out. I'm still experimenting with it because it, I'm, I'm not really sure on the whole thing right now. And I'm with you on that. It's not YouTube, really. It's not where YouTube's strength lies. Do you not think it would be an interesting opportunity to do some news or updates or quick poppy little kind of controversy? One of the things that's worked for Steve is when he talks about something which just has noteworthiness or some kind of controversy. To controversy it, so performs comments well, yeah. And that really seems to like drive the view. So I, I just think you actually do seem to be well posted to be able to use the platform exactly how you want to use it. The question uh, is, uh, how does it affect my other content? Like if I put out I a video that. on Wednesday yeah. and I put out a short a little after, is that going to take away views? Because I've seen it where I post a video on Wednesday and then if I post a video on Thursday, uh, you watch that instantly the views from your other one get cut in half. I think YouTube is addressing that. And I think that they're really trying to separate the shorts uh, from the regular videos and they're trying to separate mobile viewing of shorts. And I think eventually they're not even going to be showing the shorts on laptop or desktop. I'm, well, I'm see, not sure. I, I wish it didn't show up for my people because it's right. a vertical piece of video. Like, do, do you upload it to your via the desktop or do you use your phone through the app to upload it <laughs> no i use desktop i shoot on my dslr and I, I crop it down to that stupid vertical format and upload it and it's kind of a pain in the ass like, but i want i want to try it i do so i may sit i mean here, it's I worth have experimenting i think that if if you can answer a question that seems to work really well you know why does why is my background out of focus on some photos or you know something so simple and then because it's the kind of thing people might be asking. Um, it seems to work well. Mm. And the, note here. the other Why thing I've noticed the short the short news stuff, especially like if like someone's coming out with a new thing, uh, just uh, even just provide commentary. Because Steve, you moved from like wanting to just do like here's a tip on how to do the thing and tip a tip a tip, and it kind of became you got more engagement or at least better results when it was like why aren't two by fours two right by four? or, or whatever that is like because people are scrolling through their shorts and they go oh that's an interesting question sure I'll, i've got yeah. 60 seconds to spare and um but i again i'm still experimenting i'm kind of in my third phase of trying to figure out what works best and and they don't pay any money so you got to kind of figure well, that's that, fine yeah, yeah by the way uh, the person with the the youtube uh contact will let you know they have a 100 million dollar fund which they're putting just into um stories. Yeah. yeah but they'll pro they'll probably put it to like will smith and the biggest of the big again like that's what everybody's here is yeah they it's may. gonna be like these legal legal has like huge shorts following you know now so, and some of these guys i you know I, I do the news, but my thing is, if it didn't show up in the feed and it didn't show up on the desktop, that would be great. Because you start reading the comments, it's like, why are you making a 60-second video? This sucks. Right. And, you know. Well, I, and another thing is I had to go through a lot of that at the beginning of people. They, they were, uh, some people were upset. But then I got to looking at it, and the amount of subscribers who watch those is so low. Once it starts, once YouTube puts it on that shelf they call it the short shelf yeah then it's and that's usually a few days after you post it then they it really starts taking off but i think not every kind of, one of them though no not every one no you never know it's up to youtube you know 
which one they bless yeah well uh, we'll have to we'll have to try it but the problem is if it's something that's topical newsworthy then i made an actual video about it and so i'm gonna have to wait a day or two to put that out Mm. or do i only put it out on a sunday or like do i put it out my my thought was like perhaps it's a uh, something which is newsworthy enough, but not newsworthy enough to constitute an entire seven-minute video. Well, and that's what goes into my photo news fix. My photo yeah. news fix has three stories, and they're two minutes long each, roughly, or two and a half. And that's, you know, 60 seconds. It's hard. Because Philip DeFran- how's Philip DeFranco's shorts doing? Because he was trying – like, is he still doing it? I don't know. He tried to do this. Let me see. One of the things that is – I noticed on the shorts that show up in my feed is it just has to have some sort of really interesting visual component, which for photography seems like there's got to be a way to work that in there. But something that is either surprising or people weren't expecting or something that pops out. Yeah. I notice when I'm surfing, I'll like stop on something which doesn't look like a a specifically designed thumbnail i'm starting to get more like why would someone choose that as a thumbnail something interesting must be happening in this video and then i'll watch it just because it has an unintentionally uninteresting yeah well so uh, thumbnail like reels i i know how to make a reel look good like in terms of um if if i get a new piece of gear i'll show the lens like you show the actual product or i show a whole shelf of stuff and it's like all right 70 to 80 100,000 views off of that and I, I, I guess I could try and do the same thing with, with YouTube, but it's like, cool, I'm just showing a whole ton of gear, you know, like the $100,000 worth of gear here. And, it, and that just makes me look like an asshole. But yeah, yeah it, I just I don't want to complain and be like, no, because you guys are right. I, it, it's something that should be tried. But there's not a, for anybody out there who doesn't understand this is that YouTube isn't very clear on how this stuff works, which makes yeah. us worry that, you know, is it going to affect our watch time? Is it going to affect how stuff shows up in the feed? Is it going to affect all the shit we've been working towards? Because they always change things. So there's a YouTube has a channel, and I don't I don't know if it's the YouTube Creators channel or something like that, where they yeah. kind of post updates on this stuff. And it, from what I'm hearing is that they're really trying. They're, it's separated now in your analytics. It's separated from your monetization. So it sounds like they're trying to make address those concerns saying that okay whatever you're doing on shorts won't affect this stuff on your regular videos i'm still not sure if that's happening right it's all like you said it's still kind of really up in the air right now it sounds like they wanted to make a move on it and really start getting traction without fully understanding how it was going to (laughs) be integrated and they're like as it rolls out and i also do believe that they're leaving a lot up to the creators for they're just like you you guys here's this feature yeah here's how to use it like, let's see what ends up happening once you guys actually decide what to do with it. And then we will figure out how how to move forward and monetize it based on how you want to use it as opposed to telling you how to use it. And they're going to have to address the content farms, too, that are just cranking out crap on there and the people who are just re-uploading TikToks. Because I'm sure YouTube doesn't want to see that TikTok logo on every single show. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Is if, I, if I'm going to do a you know, a 60 second thing. I was like, well, I could make that a reel, but reels only give me 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, shit, why are reels only 30 seconds? Yeah. You know, and they're supposed to be 60 seconds. Cause that's what, you know, TikTok is what 60 seconds, I guess. They're trying to do a little bit of everything, but I actually think they're going to be successful in shorts. I think TikTok will end up 
having its day. I, 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 I dislike the how quickly they just tried to ramp users up to having as many followers as possible. It was just it was follower porn. It's like and follow. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you, very... you, you, you see these people posting like, oh, I got a million of this. And, and, and then and then and so I saw it with this guy. I'm going to leave him nameless, who, who's an investor in the industry, you know, invests in businesses and makes YouTube videos about business stuff. And it wasn't hu not huge anywhere else, but used the numbers like I've got a 1.5 million followers across social media. And they used I'm like, well, it says you have like 1.2 followers on TikTok. That that's not the same as a YouTube follower, a YouTube follower yeah. because because TikTok doesn't. Yeah have it's not like you could have a tiktok that gets 10 million views and then you could have a tiktok that gets 3000 views and remember remember when facebook uh, facebook would count a video ad at 3, three seconds, seconds and people were like <laughs> you got a million views on my facebook ad it's like you got a million people scrolling on their who never looked uh, at it posts uh, it, cuz it auto played and you know happened to stop and for they three got called out by the government for it they lied mm -hmm. their metrics were all lies i see i stopped doing Facebook fucking sucks. Facebook is a mess. It, it's just like I remember there were legitimately people being like Facebook. Everybody's just going to move on as soon as Facebook monetizes. Everybody's I was, going you know, I didn't say that people would leave YouTube, but I thought that Facebook would do a better job at 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 competing. Um, I can't even live. use there's, it. I can't even use the. There's interface. no discovery. You can't. You can't search. Right. You can't search for a video and then watch a video. Yeah. So it's, it, that's why we, you know. Uh, MKBHD in his on his podcast did a good discussion about shorts and not wanting to allot um, time employee time to doing shorts right now until they figure out what it is because there's too many unknowns and he's like so what happens is if you spend all this time doing their the last thing that they did and you went all in on that for them to just shut it down you know and then you're just left holy shit you you started to build this and now nothing. Well, it reminds me of we were talking before the show about the 360 video when YouTube was pushing those out. <laughs> Remember, they sent Casey Neistat to like the Oscars or the Grammys, and he like record he brought the thing, he recorded himself in the seat watching a. God, we should. We 360 was interesting. What happened to 360? Well, the problem is, it doesn't. There, there, what is the use case for 360 yeah. other than seeing things like it's cool. Like I had a 360 camera I put here at the factory when Nikon did their waste of a 360 camera, but I could be live on Facebook and you can, I can scroll around to right. move people around the room. So there was some coolness factor to it, but it's just like VR. What is the use for VR and shooting in 360? It's like, how do you convert it to VR to make it worthwhile? But are there enough people with VR? Like, no, which yeah. does bring up, though, the, uh, the, there was a, uh, a porn company that reached out to me. I was on a porn email list for some reason, a PR, <laughs> PR list for porn. For some reason. I must have signed up somewhere for some PR list. Uh, and they wanted to give me a login for VR porn. But I, I didn't have a VR headset, so I gave it to one of my friends who had a VR headset. But that was, you know, VR porn. Come on, man. That's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's the only reason they had VR headsets. No, porn, porn has been the thing that grew a lot of industry. I mean, it, it, it drives it, all it, technology. It yeah, built the internet. It, well, yeah. but even going before, you had how when when VHS came out, it was VHS versus Beta. Mm -hmm. Why did Sony yep. lose that war? Porn, because VHS was like, we'll do porn videos, 
And then that moved the industry, and that's why beta died in the consumer market. You know, I love watching those. There's some channels, TLDR or whatever. There's a lot of different channels that do old tech, and they do these 30-minute long history lessons on some old computer or some old thing, and they're damn good. Like, there's so many good, well, there's so many shitty channels, but there's some really good ones that come up, and you're like, that's informative. I, I do it all at 2x. I can't watch YouTube at 1x. I Everything's at 2x for me because yeah. um, that's how my brain works. And But yeah, there's some really good channels out there. It's hard to go back to watching videos at normal speed, on at least on some channels. Some channels I can watch at normal speed, but you're right. Watching at double speed really helps. I, be, look, if, it's, if, if there's no reason to listen at 1x and they're just, you're just consuming information i can consume that yep. information much easier at 2x because i'm just like why are you guys so slow like just spit it out already jared there's like a million other things I, did we I get to, to some stuff to did we get to, to your you notes we're gonna just have to do this again because i didn't get to yeah this. what are <laughs> the other things no rapid fire oh rapid rap oh yeah uh, yeah okay go ahead go ahead oh I'll, I'll do one i'll do one I'll do one. I'll okay. do one too. Uh, and this is just, I'm totally taking advantage of the situation here. I need a new camera. What do you reckon? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to shoot. Your Canon. Action. I'm trying to shoot a documentary, but I've got an old DSLR. Do I stick Canon? With, so just get Canon. No, you're Canon, right? Do you have any I have a Canon, that are any yeah. good? I have, a, I have the, the, you know, older, like consumer model Canon T, T7 or something. All right. The first question I always ask is what's your budget? What do you uh, spend? I would I would be willing to go a few thousand dollars. And don't forget that this includes lenses and you need microphones. Right. Like lenses are the most important thing. You can have a shitty body. It's just like like you can have a shitty jib or whatever, whatever micro jib, but <laughs> you can the yellow. Block. It's quality, right? You don't want to get the, the <laughs> a bad saw. All right. So. It, it, it depends on the budget. We we here use the Canon R5. That may be too much camera for you. For is that what, what you, you have, need. Chad? The R5? Is that what you... I have the R6. The Ooh. R6 is a fantastic Lada. camera as well. We, ha we have those as well. I think there's some affordable Sony options that are very good. Um, Canon I want is... I want quality. I just want well, quality. Well, quality comes down to the person using the tool. Yeah. Right? You could have the best micro jib in the world, and if you don't know how to use it... <laughs> you're going to cut your finger off. So it's just like, right. it's just a matter of what you well, do you know with what it. I think about, and this is also, this is a much bigger subject I would probably talk about. But the, uh, I find that no matter what the technology is, I only use maybe 10% of it. And I find that with my camera, it has so many features on it, but really there's only a few. You don't need, need those. Yeah. That, that's correct. Um, you know, it, it, it's such a tough time because Canon is coming out with new stuff at some point, right? Everybody's always coming out with something. But the price point is like the R6 is in the $2,600 range. It's a great camera. The R6 would be a fantastic camera for you to use. You could get a 24 to 105. Uh, the, the, the R6 with the 24 to 105. Sold. You could also pick up a, a 50 millimeter 1.8, which is 199 to give you some depth of field if you want. Go ahead, Chad. I'm on it. Oh, Cheers, no, I mean, you that look was... like you think you wanted to add something to the R6, but the R6 is is the right amount of camera for you. Yeah. And the, the, the autofocus is so incredible. The dual pixel AF is what we love. You can set it on the tripod. You can have a you can even set up an iPad or a phone on your desk and tap where you want the focus to go if it misses your eye. But it will find your eye. 
it is fantastic. So I think an R6 in the mirrorless world, you know, for a couple bucks, if you drop 3,500, you know, look for the kit with maybe a 24 to 105. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, I like better glass than that, but you're not going to drop two, three grand on a lens right now. That's it. I'm taking your recommendation. I'm going to buy that camera. That's my recommendation. My right. affiliate and link is... While we're st- Oh, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Check the description. Link for the description. All right. So mine, mine's very, very builder basic, but I did think about it. What, what are some of the simplest things that an absolute beginner can do to just take better pictures, even just with their phone yeah. or whatever it is, regardless of equipment? What are just a couple things that people could just put in their pocket and be like, so long as That's I... That's a great question. I, I kind of alluded to that at the beginning. Um one of the best things to do is move your feet, right? Don't pinch to zoom. If you are pinching to zoom outside of the optical zoom, you're now doing digital zoom. You're literally blowing up the pixels and they're going to look like shit. Light is the key. The more I call Phil, you know, we're sitting at dinner. Hey, do you want me to put you? You want me to get Phil? Phil light, right? I turn on the light on the back of the phone. I put a white napkin over it at a restaurant and I hold it on an angle, slight angle above the dish and say, now take the picture. And everybody's like, holy shit, that's amazing, Uh right? Just simple things of adding light. If you're at a restaurant and it's dark, take a napkin, put the light on, wrap the napkin around it. It's fill light. That's going to soften the light and it's going to light it up. Dick pics. Turn the camera upside down and back and pull back a little bit. That's for the people. I want to make that video on YouTube. Uh, That might be a good short. Oh, pun intended. (laughs) Good good one. Dick pic short. Dick pic. Dick pic short. short. Dick pic. How to take and it's kind of edgy. Oh yeah, how to take dick pics. There you go. Oh, believe me, I've been chewing. I've been no pun intended chewing on that one for a while. (laughs) No matter Um, what we say, there's going to be a pun involved. (laughs) But no, so so get closer. Move your feet. Don't pinch to zoom. Get down on a lower angle. If you're photographing mm. a kid, don't stand up at your five-foot yes. height and, and shoot down at a two-foot kid. Get down on their level. Can we talk about this for a second? Because sure. I know that people and their double chins are very much worried about low angle. But so much fun stuff happens well, when you take the camera. Just put it on the ground. Like, literally rest your camera on the ground. That's one way. Like, kind of tilt it up and... I'm not saying take every picture that no. way. I'm saying put put the camera somewhere different and look at what it looks like through the actual camera and, and, and less about like, this is where my eyes are. So this is where yeah, I think you see this with pets. You see people take pictures of their dogs or their cats and they're just looking yep. straight down. down. You see their backs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of double chins, one, if you turtle out, you push your chin, you tell the subject to push their chin forward, it gets rid of the chin. You tell them to put the tongue to the top of their mouth tongue to the top of the mouth it, it gets rid of the double everyone chin. everyone who's listening is doing this yeah. right now that's the best part it actually gets rid of the the double chin now if you're someone who has four chins there's nothing we can do about that and don't ask the photographer to make you thinner if you're not thinner and there's nothing worse than someone saying you'll just photoshop that right i'm like that's your face if that's what your face looks like no like if a bride has whatever she had like when i shot weddings they're like you'll you'll touch this up right i'm like no the only thing that would ever get touched up if you were a bride is if you woke up on the morning and you had a pimple that shouldn't be there right that's not natural to you that's something that i would take out but if 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 your face is your face you know, if you have an extra, you know, bunch of chins, that's your face. I can only do so much. 
It's so sad. I, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to any kind of a professional photographer, but I'm usually the guy who takes enough pictures. And it's so sad how many people just really hate the way they look. And they're just like, can you just change the way I look? Can I just stand But it's only them. Backwards. That's the thing. And it's, it's only them. them. And so I have trouble. Like, I know what a good photo is. I'm going to just say it. I know what the right photo is. And but when you deliver it to the customer, when you deliver photos to c clients, they always pick the one that is your least favorite. But you know what? When they're the client, that's fine if it's something that's not a big deal. But when it comes to something that you know, like this is the right shot, and the only reason they don't like it is because their eye blink, yeah, you know, their looking eye at is something a certain different. way. Yeah. My right. My hand looks weird. Right. And I'm like, nobody gives a shit about your hand, okay? <laughs> nobody. I'll add my tip for photos, okay? Uh, if you're taking a photo of a couple or people and they say, hey, take our picture or something, get close to them because it's always at like a, like a tourist attraction or something. And so you want to see like, hey, there's the whole Golden Gate Bridge in the background and then there's this tiny couple in front. It's well, like, to, to build on your tip, do both. So what? So here's what I do. People have uh, uh, somehow gravitate towards me not knowing I'm a photographer and they're like, would you, could you take our picture? I mean, I may, I may sneak over when I notice people doing it just because I want them to ask. But so <laughs> what you, what you do is you do a couple horizontal, you do a couple vertical and then you flip the camera around, you take a picture of yourself and then you flip it back and so when they're going through the images they see a picture of your face after you did it i always do that i always that's take a picture awesome. of myself that's hilarious that's pretty awesome there used to be a thing where you would do that when people would ask you to take their picture at the beach or something back when film was around and yeah. then you would take the camera and you'd shoot somebody in the background in a bikini and yep. then when they got the film process they would have a little easter egg in there <laughs> yep all right, I'm chopping up all of the tips at the end of this podcast and I'm making them all into little yep, shorts. You didn't know that. But I'm, you know, tomorrow Steven's coming in and we're working on a dick pic short. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to use a banana or I have. Did you did you know I know we're supposed to get out of here. But did you know that there are there is a different side of YouTube like for 18 and over where they actually have such a sex education videos? They have how to put I've on condoms with actual people as models putting them on. Oh, I did not know that. They are in the general. Aren't those videos just in the general? Well, I know if there's, there's eight, like 18 I, I didn't know plus. that there was a filter. They're 18 plus. I, I know that you can see you have to be how in. to insert a tampon, how to uh, put on a condom. All of that. Or, and that's informative. That's stuff that's very important. I still think how to take a dick pic is important for some people because they get it wrong. It's just if yep. you turn the camera, I'm not going to give away the tip. I'm going to save it for the 60, 60 seconds on how to take a dick pic. Well, I mean, you've, you've got to do some manscaping ahead of time, too. Well, you this know. is brought to you by the Lawnmower 4.0, <laughs> the Lawnmower by Manscaped. I actually did an ad for them for the Manscaped 2.0. Oh, man. If you would like to see. Jared's short about dick pics. And I'm Jewish, you too. His short dick. Check bits. out his <laughs> You can check out his YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, it's his full name. Or you can check out froknowsphoto.com or catch him on Instagram. You have a great Instagram account. Uh, Jared Pollen or froknowsphoto? Or do you have both? I have Jared Pollen because when I got Instagram, I'm like, this is going to be my personal place to share photos, not business. <laughs> so yes, yes, you and 250,000 of your closest friends it's, sharing it, all of your personal. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, somebody, ha somebody has Frono's photo and then whatever. I don't give a shit. If you would like to help support this podcast, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. 
or a five star rating or a four and a half star rating if you just <laughs> just don't leave us a rating and leave a review, please. Just leave a rating. Why aren't people leaving reviews yes. for us? Because nobody uses iTunes anymore. Well, you know that's podcasts. the thing is we're yeah, trying to true. get people because there's no feedback on any of the other. Everybody's listening on Spotify, but you can't. I I do Spotify. Yeah, I know. You know everybody does it, but you can't get any feedback on on that. So you know uh, how you get feedback. Hmm. I know how to get feedback. I um I signed up for that community thing for the 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 cell phone numbers, you know that everybody was pushing for a while. Oh, uh, you know, like this is my cell phone number. Well, I have a I did one, and I I was doing Google Voice numbers for five years before that even existed that people could text and call. So now I use the community, and I've built it to like fourteen hundred people. But I can directly text them, and they can text me their feedback on the show. Oh. Now it's not public or anything, but I it's you know I sign up. It's a hundred. It's it's actually expensive. It's one hundred fifty bucks a month once you hit a thousand subscribers. Um, but that's it's like an email list except you can directly wow. they're signing up to get texts as long as you don't as long as you don't you know abuse that privilege abuse it. right that's pretty cool all right well, anyways we'll wrap it up we're here. gonna try that and we're gonna have you back on real soon because every time we talk there's like a million things that come to mind that uh i want to talk about so thanks for listening everybody